Welcome to In Progress, a podcast to help you grow and learn how to become a better version of yourself. Now, here's your host, Michael Cerigliano. Welcome, everybody, to In Progress with Michael Cerigliano. We got special guests on today, Jake Zimmer, um, real estate investor, entrepreneur, you name it. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you for jumping on today. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I mean, everyone's big into real estate investing. Um, that's something that you're doing. How is that going? Uh, I mean, it's going pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm uh, 28, started about four or five years ago with my first house. So, um, you know, for how young I am, at least, I think I've been uh, put in a, a pretty good situation and been able to kind of capitalize on it for sure. So. Absolutely. Um, how many, uh, how many properties do you have? So I have, uh, two properties right now, uh, a single family house in New York and then a duplex here in, uh, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, where I live. And then, um, looking at purchasing another property right now, um, in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. So, Oh, wow. Nationwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving all over, man. I see that. I see that. Um, how did you, how did you like, obviously everybody wants to get into it, but what, like, how old were you when you started getting into it and what made you want to get into it? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, so, I mean, I, I guess I wasn't really a specific age when I got into it. So I bought my first house, uh, when I was like 23. Um, you know, so I'll kind of give the little backstory when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, um, my, my mom you know, I, I grew up somewhat poor. My mom always rented though. My dad always rented, like neither one of them ever owned a house or owned really anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when, I don't know, when, just as I was growing up as a teenager, I was like, you know, my mom would rent, rent an apartment or whatever, live there for two or three years and then, you know, move to another one. And I'm like, all this money you just spent every month, you know, $800 a month or $900 a month on rent or whatever it was like, you just gave that money away for the last three years and now you're just doing it again. Um, so just, I don't know, just at an early age, it clicked to me, like, why don't people try to own something so that when you're paying your rent or your mortgage, like you, you come away with something at the end of it, you know? So, you know, one of the first things I thought of when I was a teenager was like, I'm going to own a house that way, you know, my mom, who's been renting her entire life. So 40, 50 years now, uh, she has nothing to, 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 uh, look for from renting that money where I own a house a ton of money right over 30 or 40 years right mm-hmm. i mean talking hundreds of thousands of dollars um you know she spent renting so just I, immediately i was like if i own a house at the age of like 20 25 that house will be paid off by the time i'm like 50 right 55 i own that free and clear by the end of that so right. um that's kind of how i just got into that thinking of like owning a house or owning property is way more rewarding than just constantly renting from other people, other people telling you what to do, um, you know, kind of things like that. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I've, uh, I've been shit. I'm 27 now since I was 20, 21. I've been talking about how I want to get into real estate, how I want to do real estate investing. My uncle um, back home in Rochester before he moved, he had like six, seven rental properties in the city. Um, And it's just, I mean, aside from like upkeep, it's, I mean, if you do it right, you can make a lot of money off of that. And it's all just like passive. You're really not doing shit to get that money yet. Once everything's all said and done. Um, 
how i mean is like upkeep hard yeah, or absolutely. any of that yeah so i mean and, and like you said if 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 you do it right it's it's pretty easy to me um and you really don't even have to be able to do it right uh you know i'll tell you a little story about myself here in a little bit um but you don't even really have to do it right to be honest you know mortgage and this was something i had no clue about when i was a teenager but mortgage is usually three to four hundred, maybe even five hundred dollars less than rent, right? So right. when I uh, when I moved to to Little Rock, the apartment was the rent was like twelve fifty, thirteen fifty. Um, you know, you can find a single single family home for six fifty, seven hundred dollars for mortgage exactly. um, here in Arkansas. You know, so I mean, just the the amount you save is just significantly cheaper. And, you know, I, I kind of think it comes from people thinking they need 30, 40, 50, $60,000 uh, to be able to own a home. And, you know, that's just not the case, especially in today's age um, with FHA and, and uh, uh, some military loans and things like that. But, um, you know, that, that's kind of how most people think about it or start off. And, you know, when I bought my house, when I was 22 or 23, everyone was telling me like, you're too young to buy a house. Like, please don't buy a house. You're going to want to move in three or four years. And I, I told everyone like, yeah, absolutely. Like I love moving around. I hate being stagnant. Um, you know, I always want to better myself. So if my career takes me somewhere, but I told everyone like worst case scenario, I'll rent this house out. Right. Right. My mortgage for my house is uh, like seven, seven eighty, I think when I first started it mm -hmm. um, with taxes and everything, like, so bottom line, I pay like seven eighty a month. I was like, Worst case scenario, all I have to do is rent my house out for $800 and I'm just gaining money, right? From equity. So, which, I mean, I rent my house out for 1300. So Damn. Um, if I can make $800, right. Yeah. yeah. So if I can make $800 though, like I'm good. Like that's the bottom minimum I, I'll need to be able to rent it out for, right. which to me, I was like, that's going to be no problem. So to me, me buying this house is a no brainer. Mm -hmm. If something happens, if I have to move for work or, you know, something happens with me financially, I just have to be able to rent this house out for $800 and I'm, I'm good to go for however many months. So, you know, that's kind of, kind of my thinking when I first bought the house. And then after I bought it, I kind of started uh, listening to a lot of more podcasts, things like that for first time renters and homeowners and landlords and stuff like that, yeah. um, which is what really got me interested in duplexes and threeplexes and uh, fourplexes. So, mm -hmm. So how, um, how did you go about, cause you're, so your first property that you rented out was really just the house you bought for you. And then you decided I'm going to move. So I'm going to rent it out. No, no, not even. It was, you just rented it out or did you move and then rent it out when you were about to move? Yeah. So I owned it. I think I, I want to say I only owned it for about a year. Um, and then I got a job offer in uh, Myrtle beach, South Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, you know, and I was kind of scared at first. I was like, you know, I'm not sure what to do with my house. Um, but, you know, I ended up taking the job offer and basically I put what I had told myself uh, to use. I was like, I can either sell my house. I've only owned it for about a year. So I'll probably lose a little bit of money, um, you know, just from the down payment that I had put down closing costs and all that. Right. Or I can try to rent this thing out. Right. Um, and I was like, I mean, worst case scenario, I have to rent it out for $800 a month. And then I can kind of figure out what I want to do with it over the next couple of years. Right. Um, so I, I, uh, I got my job offer and I want to say it was uh, like the end of September. And they basically told me I had like two weeks to move down. Damn. So I was like, yeah, I was like, damn, this is, this is going to be tight. You know, I got to try to figure some, uh, some stuff out really quick. So 
um, I basically just put the house up. I just took a bunch of pictures. Um, I put it up on uh, Craigslist and uh, Zillow. Zillow has an awesome, awesome, uh, um, like a manager app, basically, where it does everything for you. Um, so anybody who's, who's scared to get into it, Zillow has something that does it for you. They do the background checks. They'll do the credit checks. You just have to look over that stuff yourself. Really? Um, but I basically post, yeah, yeah, super easy. Um, they do everything that the, the tenant or the prospective tenant pays them directly. So literally you just send your prospective tenant the link and they go through Zillow. They pay Zillow. Like it's like twenty nine ninety five for the background check and the credit report. Uh, they upload their pay stubs all through there. And man, you just go to this app and I can see everything, everything that everyone submits on there. So Zillow makes it easy for, you know, people who aren't, you know, thousand home or a thousand apartment, you know, people. So uh, super easy to be able to uh, jump into it. Um, mm. But I, I basically listed it on Zillow. No clue what I was doing. I was like, I just hope this works for some reason. <laughs> I put it on Craigslist. Uh, yeah, man, no clue what was going on. I I, uh, I had some open houses. You know, I had like 30, 40 people show up. I was like, man, this is going to be easy. And uh, had maybe like 10 people like want to put in applications and whatnot. And by the time I had the open house, I want to say I had a week left to move. So I was like, damn, I got to pick somebody pretty quick. So I got to get them their keys. Like we got to get all the utilities switched over. I mean, everything. So yeah. um, this kind of brings me into my uh, a, a story that I have about my bad tenant. Um, but I basically didn't do my research, right? Uh-huh. And that's, that's like the biggest advice I can probably give anyone uh, is do your research on your tenants, right? Don't, don't, don't try to make it go quicker. Um, don't try to wait for the perfect tenant either, um, but don't try to rush it. Uh, do your research, call their employers, uh, call their previous landlords, uh, do your research with the, the credit checks, the background checks, all that stuff. Um, but my first tenant had a lot of money up front, was ready to move in. Uh, pretty much the day I moved out, she was like, good to go. Um, had some decent references on her uh, application. Uh, but she had some credit score issues, which, hey, young people, you know, a lot of times we, we right. have credit issues, so it is what it is. Um, she didn't have any any kids at all. It was just her and her mom. Uh, and they both had, like, stable jobs. So I was like, okay, looks good. Um, turns out that they had lied about those jobs uh, for them. Oh. I didn't check pay stubs. Yeah, I didn't get pay stubs. I basically took their report that they were both uh, employed <laughs> full-time. Uh, the daughter had uh, not so good credit. The mom was like decent, like 620 to 650 or something like that. So I was like, you know what, whatever. They got a lot of cash up front. Like obviously they make money. And, uh, you know, over the course of the next six to eight months, uh, basically trashed the, the house completely. Um, but we, we can get that into that in a little bit as well. So, but dude, super easy really to get started. People are scared. Um, but there's so many things out there with YouTube, with, uh, you know, different podcasts for people to get started and basically it's just posting it, taking pictures um, and then posting it online and everyone's renting these days, man. So, right. you know, Everybody. somebody's going to rent your house out. Exactly. Everybody. Um, so I got to ask you, cause I'm, I'm genuinely interested in doing this. Um, how do you, so when you got that house initially, did you go through a first time home buyer program or did you just get it like through a regular mortgage? Yeah. So, nope. So yeah, that one I did FHA. Um, 
which a lot of people confuse first-time homebuyers program with FHA. Um, they're a little bit different. Uh, first-time homebuyers program is generally you go through a specific bank um, and you go through some sort of process with that bank. So mm. most banks will offer a first-time homebuyers program that's like 12 months long, maybe six months. Uh, but usually they're 12 months. And basically that bank works with you for 12 months uh, to make sure that you're going to be uh, a good uh, a good repayer of their loan, basically. Right. Um, so a lot of times they will, uh, they'll have you for 12 months and a lot of them will offer an incentive as well. So let's say, hey, for 12 months, you're going to work with us. You have to put $1,000 each month into this savings account. And usually most or a lot of home, uh, first time home buyers programs will match that somewhat. Uh -huh. We'll be like, hey, for every thousand you put in, we'll put in 500 of our own money. At the end of 12 months, you'll have, you know, $15,000 for a down payment or whatever. Um, and usually that will roll into FHA as well. But what FHA is, is uh, a government backed loan. Basically, you can go through any or any bank that offers FHA and you can put down less than the normal amount. And the government basically says is guaranteeing the bank that if I foreclose, on it, the government will repay my portion or, or whatever, uh, minus the sale of the house, right? So okay, um, that's kind of what FHA is. So I was going to do a first time home buyers program, I found this bank, but it was like 12 months or 18 months. And I was and I'm a, I'm a pretty impulsive buyer. Um, you know, so I was like, man, I want a house now. I remember I was like, I want a house within the next like 60 days or something like that. So uh, I didn't really have time for a first time home buyers program. If people are, are listening to this and they, they think they're going to be buying a house in a year or two, uh, first time is def first time home buyers is definitely the way to go. Um, if not, you can still do FHA and it's usually three to three and a half percent down, right? So if you buy a hundred thousand dollar house, single family house, you're only putting three to $3,500 uh, down for a down payment. Mm -hmm. You probably have about 5% in closing costs. Um, so probably eight to 10 grand total is what you'd be paying to purchase a house mm -hmm. um, for a hundred thousand. So that's what FHA is. Um, there's also some uh, uh, payment insurance that they have as well. You pay like an extra $60 a month, basically to be able to do FHA. Um, but you know, there's some contingencies along with that as well. The biggest thing though with FHA is that you, you have to, the intent of you buying the house the wording's kind of funny, actually. The intent of you buying the house has to be for you to live there for a year. Right. Okay. And so I've heard that too, which is what scares me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically, uh, the government can take, or the, the bank can take the property back if they feel like you intended to do something other than live in that house for a year. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, some, some workarounds around that are if you move for work, in six months, that's not your fault, right? Or if, if maybe something happened in your family, a death happened in your family, you had to move back home uh, to be closer to them, you know, things like that aren't your fault. Uh, but where people try to get the government or even get the banks is two months down the road, they didn't never actually moved in the house. Now they're running it out for almost double. Um, you know, that's not really what the FHA program is supposed to be for. Right. Uh, so they kind of put that wording in there. The intent of the loan is to reside in the house for a year but after that 12 months you're good to go you can go buy another house you can do what you want uh, move anything like that rent it out it's all good after that so you do have to stay in the house 
for at least unless you have a very good reason. Because my biggest thing is I want to get into the rental property game and I don't have any interest in living in the house. I just want to buy a house, rent it out, buy a house, rent it out. Um, so obviously yeah. that's not, you can't do that, right? Unless you're doing right. it to like yeah. maybe so, like yeah, someone you, you know and it's not like some random person. Yeah, so I mean, if you're doing it under the table now, so so my uh, my mortgage officer that I had here in Arkansas, I, I actually asked him that. Um, I, I just was asking some questions because I'm looking at buying what's called a secondary home. Uh, it's kind of a little different scenario. Um, but he was saying that he's actually seen where uh, they will send people out to your address to like see if your name's on the mailbox or you're getting mail there um, within that first year. And he was like, it doesn't happen too often, but they might do it like once every four or five months. Um, and he's seen loans actually default and the house go back to the bank really? because people were basically scamming the FHA. Yeah. And he, like, like I said, he just said it doesn't happen very often or where he sees it actually come to fruition. But he said a couple of times that it has, um, you know, it is, a, it's, a, it, it is illegal, um, you know, so it is actually a crime to do that, to lie um, and to do that. But yeah, so, you know, if you're, if you're really not going to intend on living on it, you know, I would try to do a uh, conventional loan, you know, 20% down. If you're putting 20 to 25% down conventional loan, I mean, you can, you can buy whatever property you want and do whatever you want with it. Right, exactly. Um, so if you're doing that. But like you said, I mean, if, you know, off the record, if you have somebody living there that is your buddy or something and they just cash app you every month, now there's not going to be any record of that. So you can't, you can't do it on your taxes, right? You can't get write-offs. Um, like I can get write-offs for all my properties and stuff and the rent and uh, damages and whatnot. You right. can't do that, obviously, if somebody's kind of under, under the table living there. But, um, you know, it's still an easy way. Maybe even just have them pay the mortgage, right? And by the end of the year, you rent it out normally and you up the rent to somebody else, you know? Right. So do you have any, or do you just do single family uh, duplexes or do you do um, more than that? Cause I've also uh, toyed with the idea of doing like, you know, four five, six, seven, ten 10 unit apartments and doing it that way. Um, have you done that or do you know about that or not yet? Yeah, I mean, I know I know quite a bit about it. Um, it. My goal, my goal, basically, what I my plan for myself was kind of double just my uh, my doors, right? So right now I have three doors uh, for for rentals, and then I want to go to hopefully six within the next year. Um, like I said, I'm I'm buying a single family house right now in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's a little bit different, but yeah. hopefully I'll be at six total by the end of the year. Um, I th and then I kind of want to do that, I think, for a year or two and just have six total doors. And then I'm going to basically try to sell everything all at once together, take out all the equity I have and buy, you know, a, a eight, to eight to 10 property or unit property, um, like an apartment complex or something. Okay. Um, so when I was here in Arkansas, I was actually looking at like a fourplex. So back to the FHA thing, in order to take out FHA, um, it can only be four units or less. Okay, so you can't buy anything for more than four units with FHA. Okay. Anything after four, so five, six, seven, eight, you have to be putting down con conventional style money. So 20, 25, 30%. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I basically was not going to be able to put down, you know, 30% on $400,000 house or right. apartment side, you know, thing. So 
you know, I kind of had to go FHA route and I was looking at some four, uh, foreign unit things and, you know, I was approved for the amounts, but they just weren't really in the budget that I was looking for cash flow wise. Um, they're kind of in a little bit of a worse part of a neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. so I was going to probably have some more expenses, uh, probably some more issues, finding renters, things like that. going to be like um, that first so I ended up settling. Had... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I ended up kind of settling for a duplex that's in a nicer area. It was a little bit more expensive per, per door, obviously. Um, but easy, way easier to find renters. It's next to like three hospitals. Um, so, I mean, I get applications from nurses the whole time. Um, you know, so that, that just kind of made a better fit for me. I make a little bit more cash flow per door, which is really kind of ultimately what I look for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I definitely, I, I know of, you know, kind of the multifamily and, and the bigger unit projects. And hopefully in the next two or three years, that's what I'll start to get into. Because um, it does make it a little difficult to have a property in New York, property in Arkansas, and then, you know, a property in South Carolina. Right. Um, just tax wise, obviously, I can only be in one state at a time. Um, so just even managing them and is, is definitely pretty difficult. So hopefully in the next two or three years, I'll be selling everything and taking all that money and putting it into one property with eight to 10 doors or so. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> how do you, um, how do you go about, so say for example, there was, you're in Arkansas right now, say if something went down in New York where like something needed to be replaced or fixed, what is your game plan when that goes down? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's already happened to me. Um, so I've been renting my house out now in New York for three years to this tenant. Um, I've had water heaters break in the middle of the night. Um, I've had a toilet leak for a, a day or two. Um, I just ended up fixing something in the upstairs bathroom. Um, so I, and a lot of people, a lot of people that I talk to who are first time investors, um, usually they'll have handymen or things like that. And, uh, I just, I never really found somebody that I completely trust uh, right. to get a, the job done the right way the first time. Um, so I actually have companies uh, that I still work with, um, like plumbing companies. I work with one plumbing company, so it's, it's definitely a little bit more expensive. Um, but I mean, they're always able to pretty much go out same day. They always get it done right. I've never had a complaint that something's not working after. Um, so I have a plumbing company, an electrician. Uh, or electrical company. And then I have like a, a handyman type company uh, just in case anything else happens. Um, but I mean, dude, that happens. I, I I just call as soon as I can. I get the very first appointment. Um, if I feel like, uh, if I feel like the, the price is a little much, I will ask for a second quote from another company. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually I've been working with them for three or four years. So usually they give me a, I think a pretty good quote. Um, but it definitely is a little bit more than if somebody knows a handyman or knows an electrician themselves or even can do the work themselves. Um, but that's definitely one of the faults of, you know, not being in New York, uh, all the time. So, right. Exactly. Um, how do you, um, how do I want to word this? How do you like you, so you don't have like a, um, a property manager or anything like that. So you're just like, so they mow their own lawn, they do their own thing. You just fix anything if it breaks by calling a company to come through and fix it. And that's how, is that how you do it in like Arkansas as well? Or do you go in Arkansas because you're there? Yeah. So with Arkansas, I'll go there. I'll try to fix everything. I, I'll try to fix what I can first. Um, I don't mess with electric though. Like <laughs> something's wrong with electric. Uh, I'm <laughs> not I'm worth it. Probably not touching it, man. It's not worth it. 
Um, and I have a really good electrician here that I met when I first bought this property. So, uh, but plumbing, man, I'll, I'll YouTube something for plumbing and I'll, <laughs> I'll try to fix it myself. Um, that's gone. That's gone. Well, I'm not going to lie. Uh, really? Two or three times. Yeah. Even when, uh, even when I went to New York, there was like a plumbing issue. Um, and I just went over there. I YouTubed it for like 45 minutes and I was able to fix it. So, um, I'll always try to fix it myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm really into like DIY and being able to fix my own houses up. Um, ultimately way down the road, I want to be able to build, uh, you know, like foreclosed properties, fix them back up and be able to put them back out. So to me, this is all really good learning experience for that. So yeah, in Arkansas, um, I try to fix everything. Um, I pretty much, I pretty much redid my whole uh, other side of the house because the tenant that was living there when I bought the property was, was really shitty too. Um, destroyed the house. So I basically had to fix everything up from the concrete floors uh, to the windows, to the screens, to painting, to, you know, everything, you name it. So Damn. I definitely try to do everything myself. Yeah. yeah. I do love to save money. Um, so I, I definitely try to try to save money by doing it myself the first time. hundred percent. So what, uh, when you're talking about that, uh, so that first tenant that you had in New York, um, you said they trashed the place and they were just shitty tenants. Yeah. What does that mean? They trashed it. Like what, what exactly went down? All right. So like I said, they, they had quite a bit of money up front, right? So I saw that and I was like, you know, my rent's 1300. So I, I charged the first month's rent uh, plus security deposit of 1300. And I think I charged 200 per pet uh, at that house, maybe 250. So let's say an mm -hmm. extra 500 bucks. So, you know, 2,600. So that's $3,100 my first house I was like, damn, I'll, I'll, all right, I'll take $3,100 in cash. Right. Exactly. Um, so, so, you know, my, my eyes were clouded by that, but so they had two dogs. Um, they did not potty train the dogs. Okay. So my, uh, the bottom, the bottom of the house is all wood, um, wood floors, uh, other than the kitchen, which is like tile. And then the upstairs is all carpet. So they had two dogs. And when I tell you, when we went into that house in July or whenever we evicted them, um, you could smell nothing but pee and cigarettes. So they had been oh. smoking cigarettes in the house. Um, there were there were cigarette butts in the carpet upstairs. Um, there was just pee everywhere. I mean, and they didn't give a um, shit. The dogs, no, they did not care. They did not care at all, man. Um, the mom, the daughter, apparently, like people were running in and out of that house. So she had tons of boyfriends who who fucking knows? Um, <laughs> but man, it, it was destroyed. So pee everywhere. The, the railing, like where the windows are, like the edges, those were all chewed up by the dogs. Um, the door was, was completely scratched up and clawed through. Um, I had to replace both of the bat, uh, bedroom doors upstairs. The toilet was disgusting on the inside. Didn't really need repair, but it was just gross. Um, cigarette butts everywhere. The, the walls were like, the bottom of the walls were like lining yellow. Like that's how much they were smoking cigarettes in Jesus the house. Jesus Christ. Like, dude, it was, it was wild. Um, you basically so, turned your rental property into a trap house for a little bit. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Into a trap house. I mean, broken, broken beer bottles were in the front yard on the back deck, like you name it. Um, apparently the cops had been called numerous times. Like when I, when I went to go visit, the neighbors came over like, we're so glad that you're, you're here, like, you know, telling me all the, all the shit that's been going on for six months. And I was like, 
was like, here's my phone number. Like, please call me. And I should have done that to begin with. But right. um, I was like, please, like, call me if, if anything else goes on. Um, the dogs had completely chewed through, I don't know, probably 80 to 100 feet worth of fence. Um, cost me $2,000 to replace uh, just the fence alone. Yeah, man. So total. So total when it, when it all came down. So they moved in, I want to say in October, paid rent for probably till February, um, claimed. So and this this is my, my my fault as a first time landlord, I guess, uh, but claimed to me in February that that the fencing had hurt their dogs or, or some, something along those lines, like there's so, something that happened and and part of the fence had hurt the dogs, and basically she wanted me to replace the section of the fence. Um, so it cost me like six fifty, seven hundred bucks. But I was like, you know what? In order to get my rent, that you know, that's half of the rent. I'll I'll pay that as long as you can get me the other half of the rent or whatever. And uh, so I did that. She paid me like six hundred bucks, and I was like, you know what? We'll just call it even. I just don't feel like dealing with it. Whatever. That's probably when I should have known. Like, all right, I need to go up to New York. I need to show myself. You know, I need to I need to investigate some other stuff. Right. And, uh, but whatever. I was like, you know what? I got paid the other half. March comes along. She doesn't pay. And I'm like, Hey, where's my money? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and at my job at the time, um, I was trying to, I was trying to go through a promotion. Um, I was trying to get this promotion uh, to a bigger store, which I ended up getting, but, um, my, my focus just was kind of on other things with work. So right. I was just like, you know what? Don't worry. I wasn't really too worried about rent in March for, for whatever reason. I'm stupid. So you and, let her just go uh, so, a month without paying? Well, yeah. yeah. She pulled the, oh, I, you know, I lost my job. I just started a new one. Um, you know, I'll pay you, I'll pay you like a couple hundred dollars in a couple weeks. I was like, you know what? Fine, whatever. So it's like the third, fourth week in March. I'm like, hey, do you have that couple hundred dollars? She sends me like 60 bucks or 70 bucks. Uh, and she's like, I promise I'll pay, I'll pay the full amount. Uh, plus March in April. So April first comes around, doesn't pay. And I'm like, Hey, listen, I really need you to pay whatever. Um, and she, you know, same, same scenarios, man. It's just every, every month just, oh, I don't really have it. Like I give you some money next week. And I just kept letting it go probably like the second week into April or so, maybe the third week into April. And I'm finally like, all right, I'm, I'm Googling. Uh, Cause I, I have no clue what to do. So I'm Googling like how to evict tenants how to like take people to court and like like do i need a lawyer do what do i need to do right um and dude i google it and it, evicting people is a is a is a pretty pretty damn hard process especially in new york it. state um you know new york state is uh uh is very tenant friendly um when it comes to eviction so you have to do everything by the t um like serving the eviction notice you have to have a person uh, serve it to them. That way there's proof that they received it. So if you just send it in the mail, there's no proof that the tenant ever received the eviction notice. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's definitely pretty complicated, but I'm, I'm Googling like how to evict people. I'm calling up lawyers and they're like, yeah, it's going to be about, you know, it's usually about a hundred dollars to $150 an hour. And I'm like, well, how long does this usually take? And they're like, could be anywhere from, uh, you know, 10 hours to 30 hours. And I'm like, damn, three, like, three grand just to three grand, I'm already out, you know, $2,600. Now I'm going to have to pay three grand, you know, and uh, so I'm, I started just Googling, how do I do this myself? You know, I guess I have to pay money. <laughs> DIY eviction. So, uh, <laughs> DIY eviction, that's right. Um, so I basically gave her an ultimatum. I texted her, gave her an ultimatum, and I was like, 
you know, uh, you know, you haven't paid for two months at this point. You know, it's probably end of April around the, around this point. And I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll give you till May 15th um, to be able to find a new place. I won't charge you for March. I won't charge you for April. I'll just keep your security deposit, which is 1300. So really it's like, I didn't charge her for April. Um, and I won't charge you for the first 15 days of May. I just need you to, I just need you to be gone. Right. And, uh, she agreed to it. And obviously in oh, my she, head, I'm she like, was just cool with it. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Cause I mean, at this point I'd been giving her a little bit of hell over text messages just every day, a constant thing. So I think she was getting a little sick of that. Um, so man, I, I'll never forget. So I put the pictures up of the, of the house that I had put up when I rented out to her for people to start looking at and applying. And, uh, I, I had an open house scheduled for, I think like May 16th. Um, I still wasn't there yet. So I had someone, uh, who could go to the house May 16th and take a look at it. Now this time, don't forget, I had no clue how trash this house was. Right. I, I, I had never been home yet. I had not seen the house, nothing like that. So to me, it's, hey, these people move out. I have an open house on the 16th. I get someone to move in on June 1st. We're good, good to, to go. go, right? And uh, <laughs> so, so we get there the day of the open house. This, this girl's supposed to have been moved out already, and she's still there. The house is halfway moved out. This person knocks on the door. She comes to the door. She's like, I'm really sorry. I'm late for work. And, uh, and this person is like, what? you're not even supposed to be here. You're already supposed to be gone. Like, what is it you're doing? And calls me immediately. Like, like, I don't know what's going on, but this person's still here. We have like seven or eight people about to show up for an open house. This person's still here. All their stuff is still here. Like yada, yada, you know, the whole nine. So I'm calling her. I'm trying to call the people getting ready for the open house. And she's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm on my way to work. I promise I'll be out tonight just after I get out of work. And I, I'm just like, all right. I mean, whatever, you know, I just go do, go, go to work leave the door open and we'll just have the open house. So, so she goes to work, leaves the door open. Uh, the girl that was at the house calls me and goes, I can't show this house. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, she's like, this is the most disgusting house I've ever been into in my entire life. And I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Uh, so she FaceTimes me and oh my like, bro, just, just the disgusting trash littered over the house there were uh, uh the other part i forgot to say there were trash bags um just sitting in the house like trash that was all wrapped up ready to go out to the trash bin just it's never I mean, made at it. least probably 13 never made it bro at least 13 or 14 bags of trash we counted for god knows how long that shit's been there for and so she and she's facetiming to me this because I'm, I'm coming up like two weekends later um to try to help get the house completely ready and get get our tenants ready and I'm like, just show the fucking house. I'm like, worst case scenario. I mean, these these people don't want it or whatever. And I'm like, just at, before somebody even walks in, just let them know that we're having issues with the tenant. Um, and we're going to have a, a whole cleaning done in two weeks or, or whenever it is they need to move in by. So, I mean, she did that. We still, I mean, do we still had at least, at least, I think we had eight tenants that first, or eight people that first day come look at it. I think I had five applications by the end of the day. Wow. Um, like still ready. Yeah. Just, and I mean, obviously knowing that we would clean it up or whatever. Um, but yeah, like five applications and like two people were like, Hey, just so you know, like 
I, I'm a, I'm a handyman, so I can fix like the window bullshit or whatever. Like if you cut rent a little bit, like just, I don't know, man, it was just crazy. I was like, trying to negotiate. Than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, damn, if I could, if I could rent out a house that looks like this and smells like this, like I can rent out anything, man. Right. And, exactly. uh, so <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we found a renter. Um, I did all my, my background checks. I did all my research. I called their current employer, previous employer. Uh, I called the apartment building that they were staying in, like asked for references, um, you know, check their credit. You know, when I check credit, I just look to see if they make on-time payments, you know? Right. Um, I look, look to see how much debt they have, how much they pay for their credit card bills. Um, so I did all my research this time. You know, I, I really went in depth and I found two really good uh, tenants. They're both sisters. Uh, I had two small dogs. Uh, but the dogs were like, the dogs eat better than I do. Like those types of like little tiny dogs, you know, Yeah. Um, where you carry them in the purse and shit. So I was like, <laughs> these dogs eat better than I do. I know these dogs aren't pissing inside. So, um, so I, I found them there. They work in the medical field. So I was like, that's awesome. I got pay stubs. I got W2s, the whole thing. Um, took two and a half weeks for us to clean it. Um, we had to repaint. We had to take the whole carpet out upstairs because it was, it was just too destroyed from all the piss um even had to to fix some of the hardwood because it had just pea stains all over it so i had to really? some of that yep i had to resand some of that had to repaint because there was some piss on the walls and stuff um dude it was just crazy man uh total total with the fence included i probably spent six or seven grand to, to refix the house and to, to throw everything out put new shit in um you know it was it, it was a nightmare, like, first story. And if, if you listen to any podcast about real estate, I'm, almost every landlord, I think, has one of these nightmare stories. Yeah. Uh, mine just happened to be my very first tenant, uh, unfortunately. So, <laughs> just uh, check that dude, off the list immediately. Crazy, yeah, exactly, right? I might as well get out of the way. So Right. That was, but that was the craziest thing I've ever, ever had to experience, for sure. Dude, that's fucking wild. So when you, uh, now, when you have tenants and you're calling employers and, um current apartments and all of that what do you ask them to like because just me thinking of like i gotta call like subway and see like what this person is like you know how do you do that yeah so uh if i'm calling employers i'll I'll usually ask the employers to if they can match up how much the, the person makes um and they just do it so They'll give me a general roundabout. You know, I don't ask for specifics. I'm like, do you know, you know, does this, do you know about how much this, this person makes? Um, I've never had an employer not give me an answer. I had one employer who was like, you know, I can't give you that exact info, but I can, I can, I can guess. And I was like, okay, perfect. You know, and as long as they're kind of somewhat close, um, I asked them how long they've been employed there. Um, and then that's usually it for employers. I don't usually ask too much from employers. Uh, and then uh, previous um, properties, you can't ask uh, certain questions. I can't think of what they are off, off the top of my head um, but because they're different for every state. Um, but I usually ask, would you rent to this person again? Um, and, you know, previous tenants, it's tough because that if that person's a bad tenant, that place is also trying to get that person out. Right. Right. So, so that is bullshit. you're calling them. So. So usually, usually I'll ask for uh, two references, the previous landlord as well. And that's the person I'll usually ask some more questions. You know, hey, did they pay on time? 
would you rent to this person again? Because that person, they're already moved out, so that person doesn't give a shit. They'll tell you the truth at that point. Right. Um, so I'll ask, you know, do they pay on time? Uh, you know, did they leave the home in good standing? Uh, you know, how how are the pets that they have? And, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask, so. And so the, 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 not the previous tenants, but the ones before that, so two, two apartments ago or whatever, they keep the records on file? Um, or is it more so like, I hope you they do. Ah, man, it's tough. Uh, depends how good the, the apartment complex or the landlord is really with, ah. with bookkeeping. Um, so like me, for instance, I keep records of, I keep records of everything. I, even from, uh, from her, uh, my very first tenant, I mean, I still can go into my Excel spreadsheet and see the date she paid, how much she paid, the day she was on time, the day she was late. Um, and some landlords, I mean, I called the landlord one time and he knew, he knew every single payment, um, off the top of his head. Uh, some apartment complexes will only keep it for a year. Um, some will keep it for more than, more than that. And a lot of times if they don't know the person, then that's a good sign too. Like if, if you call the, 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 the front desk manager or whatever they're, they're called, if they don't know that person, that's usually a pretty good sign. If they're like, Oh, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about Jake, then that's probably not, that's, you know, I've done that. And I can just tell from their voice. I'm like, that's all I need to hear. Thank you. And I'll just, I'll just end (laughs) the conversation right there. Cause I'm like, you know, this person well enough by name. Like I didn't even necessarily give you an apartment number yet or anything. You just knew this person from their first and last name. Absolutely. You, you that's not a good sign. So yeah, we're not going to rent that. That will play a key to Right. <laughs> so, so, um, for the podcast that you listen to and all of that, um, who is it that you, that you listen to, um, that helps you in all of this? Like I was talking in the last episode of Joe, he was heavy on Grant Cardone, just judging by the way that you speak. I'm assuming he's probably in that mix. Yeah, I love Grant Cardone. Um, he, yeah, I mean, I, I would say Grant Cardone probably got me most into uh, wanting wanting to be rich, wanting to be wealthy, uh, having tons of passive income. He talks about that a lot. Um, his ideas are a little bit different than mine. So if, if anyone does listen to him, he's very big on don't even start small. He basically says, don't even start until you can start big. Until you can get to a 10, 15, 16 unit uh, deal, just do nothing but stack your money. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. You know, I'm very big on, uh, you know, start small. If you start with a duplex or a three, threeplex, if you're making four or $500, then you can do it, right? Even if you're right. making $100, um, it's, it's all worth it to me. So, uh, I, I really started big with Grant Cardone. And as I kind of started to get my own properties, um, I started listening to bigger pockets a lot. They're great for first time investors. Um, and they have pretty much almost any avenue that you ever want to go down. Um, whether it's, it's big, big real estate stuff, small real estate stuff, you want to do behind the scenes, whatever the case may be, you want to work on houses, you want to just do the financing for it. Um, you know, they've, they've been a lot, a bigger help um, now to me. And Grant Cardone is kind of the one that really started my interest in passive income. He's super aggressive. I love the way he talks. He's just a regular guy. He, I mean, he swears. He, he, you know, he's just a regular guy. Like mad like relatable, you I, man. You know, he, he's great. He's exactly, you know, like you can tell he didn't really go to school. Like his grammar is not really that great. <laughs> but I'm like, fuck it, man. I, I love that type of shit, man. Like hundred percent. Really, almost came from nothing, and now he's a, a billionaire. 
you know? So yeah. uh, he, he's great to watch. He really is. Gets you fired up for sure. 